Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to thank you for joining us today on this lovely winter day for our Becoming a Nature Evolutionary Teleseries. Sorry, Teleseminar Series. My name is Jen Fry, and I'm a Vision Council member for the Organization of Nature Evolutionaries, or ONE. It's through this teleseminar series that we bring together leading nature evolutionaries to share their varied experiences. And this current series is dedicated to the theme of oceans. It's my great excitement and pleasure to welcome you to this particular teleseminar with Rachel Baird, where she will be talking about connecting deeply with whales and will also be leading us to meet um, the whales. Rachel Baird is a conceptual artist, poet, and peace activist. Her work is constantly expanding, shifting exploration into the world of consciousness and connectivity. Rachel is currently working on a series of peace wells, which will help generate and sustain the frequency of peace across the planet. Rachel is one of our featured artists in our current online gallery called The Art of the Ocean, which you can see on our website at natureevolutionaries.com. She has also contributed to our newsletter, or sorry, newsletter, I can't speak today, sorry about that, but she's um, contributed several poems and um, an incredible article called Meeting the Whales, which you can find all of these on our blog, which is also on our website. Um, since childhood, Rachel has been aware of communicating with beings of the natural world, and in particularly whales, which she will be sharing um, this today with us. Rachel grew up near the ocean in San Francisco, and as she says, um, this is her quote, I have always felt the most of who I am at the wave's edge. There I am aware of that drop in the ocean, being the single drop, being the whole ocean at the same time. At the end of our, at the end of the meditation today, there will be time for questions and answers. And if you would like to say something, you can press star five, which will essentially raise your hand, and I will call on you. Um, so now I'm going to turn it over to you, Rachel, and thank you so very much for joining us today. Thanks so much, Jen. I appreciate it. Hi, everybody. So I'm Rachel Baird, as Jen said. Um, I grew up a couple of blocks away from the ocean in San Francisco, where I used to walk my dog on the beach almost every day. Um, I'd take off my shoes and walk in the shoreline waves as we went along. And this is where I learned at a very young age to feel and be aware of those that were ocean dwellers. It just happened pretty naturally um, as part of my environment. First, I learned to be aware of the seals. Even when I couldn't see them, I kind of knew where they were. Um, then the whales. With my feet in the water, I can feel the sound waves of their underwater songs. When I was nine, my class went to a field trip, um, on a field trip to Ana Nuevo State Park, which is down the coast a little bit. And we went to see there were um, seals were breeding, but the San Andreas Fault Line actually also runs through Ana Nuevo State Park. And I remember standing there, and the ranger was showing um, my class, the fault line of the San Andreas Fault, which looks like a really kind of wide yellow chalk line. And everyone was staring at the ground, and all of a sudden I heard and felt this whale, even though my feet weren't in the water. 
I felt this whale calling to me, and I felt it as a wave that hit my heart, my heart chakra. And I looked out, and all of a sudden I saw the whale spouting. <laughs> Everyone else is staring at the ground, and I'm, I'm off in the sea. So I always had this, this connection. Um, so around 2002, I started splitting my time between Vermont and this island off of Cape Cod called Martha's Vineyard. Um, I spend large portions of my time in winter and spring on the island. Every March and April, I go down to Sheldon Beach and walk in the shoreline waves. The eastern right whales come up to that area at that time of year. I can start to feel them when they're about 100 miles away. When they're getting close, I start to look out for them. And I'm always happy at their arrival. The right whales feed along the shoals of no man's land on their journey north. This is a very important feeding stop for them on the long journey to the St. Lawrence waterway where they feed in the summer. Two years ago, the right whales told me to follow them north that year. So I did a little research and discovered that 13 different kinds of whales and dolphins gather in the St. Lawrence waterways every summer to feed. When I arrived up there in July, the rights told me to contact the blue whales. This is why they wanted me to follow them. That's all they said. So I was like, okay, I'm here. Let's see how I can do this. So I um, asked around, and I found that the very large whales, a blue whale is about the size of a Boeing 737 airplane, they feed in very deep waters that are out away from shore. So I took a boat out, and um, the only thing running at the time were the weather was a little rough when I got there, so they had these um, Zodiac boats, which I decided not to go on because they were a little too rough, and then they had the regular tour boats. So I went on one of those, and they, they took us out into super deep water, and um, the first whale I met was a mink whale. Um, the whale came right up to the back of the boat, and everyone was looking off uh, the starboard side of the boat because there was a pod of seals that the naturalist was pointing out, and I looked down, and, and I, I had heard this whale calling, and I looked down, and the whale was literally right up against the boat and very, very friendly. Um, so I said hello, and um, then the whale left, and then the next whales I contacted were the fins. Uh, we, we went a little further on the boat, and um, suddenly there was a pot of fins that were breaching and coming up for, for air, and they were pointed out. And I had learned, um, I forget where I learned this, but I learned when you contact any animal, um, what you do is you create a light connection from your heart to their heart, and you just send a hello. And if they want to communicate to you, they'll, they'll send a wave of hello back. So this is what I do when I'm trying to uh, communicate to another um, life form on the planet. So I sent a connection from my heart to the fins. And the fin whales, unlike the mink, who was very friendly, were angry. Um, they sent the communication back to stop killing them. And I was kind of shocked. I didn't know that anyone was killing whales still. <laughs> My ignorance, I guess. But um, then they said that when the whales are gone, so will humans become extinct. And then they dived down deep to get away from all of the tourist boats. Um, I felt that they were really kind of stressed by these boats that were, you know, th there are laws in place and you're only allowed to come so close, but there are a lot of boats and what they do is they go in a circle around the whales and the whales felt pretty harassed. And so they just 
dived and got away from us. Um, so they left us there, and I was you know, disturbed by what they said. Um, wasn't sure what to do with that. So anyway, the, um, the tour went on, and then we eventually went back to shore, and I hadn't seen a blue whale. Um, so I did what I always do when I want to contact a whale. I learned you know, to, to do this was to put my feet in the ocean and send out a connection of light from my heart. So I sent out a connection, and I found there was a blue whale very far off, several miles offshore, but I made a heart connection with her, and then she sounded back, and I could feel the wave of her song hit my body, um, and she sounded back, hello, and I started to feel this warmth in my heart, and she was sending love. There was this amazing pulse of energy that kept going through me that was a very deep, beautiful hello from this blue whale. So I asked the blue whale that was a female um, what the fins meant by what they had said. Um, that you know, it was very upsetting and I didn't understand. And she explained to me from her viewpoint um, what, what the fins meant. She explained that all the whales were in communication not only with all the other whales on the planet but also with other life forms in the ocean. And scientists have, have backed this up that whales are able to communicate with not only other species of whale but other species of life in the ocean. I found out recently that when a blue whale speaks, the sound wave tra can travel from the North Pole all the way to the South Pole. The only time it doesn't carry is if it's interrupted by mankind with sounds such as sonar. So her song um, carries across the oceans and everyone in the ocean can hear it. So as I felt her love pouring back into my heart, um, I just sat and communed and then she started to explain what the fin whales meant. She said that long ago, the planet we call Earth, they call Okeanos, was all water. Then eventually land started to rise up, and the whales became curious. They wanted to create a whale who could go onto land and experience it, and then relay those feelings back to the whales in the ocean. So they began to dream us up in the dream time, the space and shape of humans, the abilities we have, and that they still hold the energetic space on the subtle levels for our existence. So if they are gone from the planet, we will not be able to sustain either our physical form or our energetic potential. One of the things I experienced with the blue whale that I hadn't experienced with any other whale, it's almost that they're, they're part in the physical, but they're also part in the dream timer. They're part in the astral plane and subtle bodies um, where things get created before they manifest into the physical. So I, I got what she was saying, how they, how they hold up part of, the, of what the aboriginals call the dream time. Um, so that was her communication, and then we, we said um, goodbye, and um, she said that she would be in communication. And later um, in this podcast, I'll be guiding you with a guided meditation to meet her. But first, I wanted to tell you a little bit about what I found out about the state of um, whales on our planet. As it turns out, at this point, every species of whale 
is endangered, they're all on the endangered species list. Um, in 1946, the International Whaling Commission was established to oversee the management of the whaling industry worldwide. It was established in response to a rapid decline in the population of whales from whaling. In 1986, the IWC instituted an indefinite ban on commercial whaling. This ban is still in effect with certain exceptions. Countries such as Japan, Iceland, and Norway have not honored the ban and still continue to commercially hunt whales. And specifically, they mostly hunt the minks and the fins. Um, in North America, there are many organizations that are um, trying to help the whales. And there's a lot of government regulation in the US and Canada and Mexico. Um, there are regulations. Drift nets and gill nets kill thousands of whales each year. In 1991, the United Nations passed a resolution establishing a ban on drift net fishing. Um, there are also regulations for, for gill net fishing. Um, another issue that the whales are coming up against in this time is how much we've polluted the ocean. A lot of whale populations are dying as a result of PCBs heavy metals, and ozone depletion. Um, the other thing that is affecting whales, and particularly in areas like the St. Lawrence Seaway where there's a lot of ship traffic, is that collisions with ships are a major source of injury and death. Um, the United States Coast Guard has implemented mandatory ship reporting systems. When ships enter specific whale habitats, they have to report to shore base station and then they receive a message um, about measures they can take to, to avoid a ship strike. So they have to be aware of where the whales are in the water because often um, the motor blades will, will hit whales as they're breaching for air. And many whales wash up with, with cracked skulls from, from hitting ships or boats. Um, also, lowering speed limits in these areas helps protect the whales. And in Canada, um, they have established in the Quebec Tadoussac area, they've established a marine park and lowered the speed limit drastically in that area to protect whales from this type of injury. Um, the other thing that affects whales is ocean noise pollution. Um, oftentimes, underwater noise attributes to whale beaching. The noise primarily results from sonar testing and also from ship engines. Um, so that is an area that we need to work on more. It's still a big issue pretty much globally. Um, so as whales have become protected, there's been this burgeoning um, international whale watching um, phenomenon that has taken, you know, it's getting very popular. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people go out to actually see whales. And they get very excited and jump up and down and scream, and these boats are circling them and getting and basically harassing them. So new regulation has been put in place in, in, in North America to, you know, to establish distance limits that, that the boats have to cut their engines when they get within a certain distance of a whale and that they're not allowed to chase them or approach them because we get a little too enthusiastic um, in, our, in our pursuits. <laughs> so, um, so that's what's going on. Um, I definitely experienced that when I was up in Tadoussac, that there were so many 
well-washing boats, and they were getting, even though there were the regulations, they were getting pretty close. Um, people used to go to birthing sites and disturb the whales as they were being born. Um, High-speed boats chase the whales. They kill their engines when they get close, but then they can still drift closer. So there's still room for improvement, I think. You know, viewing whales in their natural habitat uh, can be an educational and enriching experience if it's conducted safely and responsibly. I think it's great to educate people up about the whales and that, you know, they're such magnificent creatures that we get, you know, very excited and connected to them, which we need as part of the protect protection. But, um, but we also have to consider their health and welfare. So there are ways to meet the whales that are less aggressive, and um, we should be thinking about that. Um, some of the other issues in, in the Sogni Fjord in particular, um, they used to have a population of 8,000 beluga whales that live there year-round because the fjords very protected and sharks were not able to come up into the fresh water as far as the whales. So the whales, being very smart, um, decided to make that their home and, um, and give birth and, and stay there year-round. Year Unfortunately, at the top of the Saguenay Fjord, there was a smelting operation from Reynolds Aluminum, and they dumped aluminum into the water and began poisoning the whales. And the Canadian government was very responsive and made Reynolds Aluminum accountable. Unfortunately, because whales have a lot of blubber, the fat holds those toxins for their entire lifetime. So once they're contaminated, it's really difficult to um, help them heal. So it's now believed that the Saguenay Fjord will become completely extinct of beluga whales. Um, there's less than 800 left of the 8,000, and all of the babies are being born with such severe birth defects that they're not surviving, and this is from the aluminum poisoning. Um, the other issue in the Saguenay Fjord is the boat noise. Um, beluga whales are known as the canaries of whales because they sing constantly. That's how they communicate to each other and, and navigate in groups. And they've completely stopped singing. And this is because of the heavy traffic and, and, and boat noise. Um, and a little aside, um, so Canada, in setting up this wonderful marine parkway, they actually had a ship donated to help protect and patrol um, the area. Unfortunately, this is a very big ship. I, I went up there last year again, and I was camping on a cliff um, in a very, you know, very secluded remote area. And I would see the fin whales. They would come up right up against the ridge because it's very deep. Um, it, it, the cliffs there go down thousands of feet into the water right from shore, so they can literally come up right against it. So, so they would cruise by, and then you'd, you'd see their, their poop, which it's full of krill, so it's kind of this orange floating blob on the water. And then five minutes later, I'd hear this horrible engine sound, and the ship would be cruising by following the whales. So um, one of the things I think Canada can improve on is maybe if people could d donate some small, quiet boats for their patrols <laughs> instead of this one huge ship that's constantly going through the water, creating its own sound waves that I'm sure is disturbing to, to, to everyone, including the whales. Um, little, little things like that can, can go a long way. 
Um, so just to give you a little more in information, um, you know, I, I have my, my metaphysical, spiritual connection and experience with the whales, but um, there's a lot that science has to say about whales from an ethical standpoint. So I want to read you a little bit about uh, what some scientific organizations have said. Although man has manifestly believed himself to be the highest intelligence on the earth, scientists have speculated that the great whales, mammals with brains six times the size of humans, are beings with higher than human intelligence. The behavioral similarities between whales and man have long been established by the scientific community, and these similarities have raised considerable concern about mankind's reluctance to allow these creatures to live beside us unharmed. The Federation of American Scientists have noted that there is a great deal to be said for empath empathizing with whales, as the area of the whale's brain associated with the control of emotion is equally well-developed to that of man. Additionally, whales, like man, communicate with others of their same kind in a language that has been described as an abstruse mathematical poetry. And unlike man, whose ability to communicate with other species is rudimentary at best, whales have developed interspecies communication with other sea creatures. Like mankind, whales care for their young, and the young reciprocate affection after being reared and finding independence. Whales are social animals who live in large groups, and some species live monogamous lives, taking only one mate. Documented evidence exists of incidents where whale, a whale is harpooned and taken ashore, and its mate has lingered waiting offshore, sounding for weeks. So that they're all on the endangered species list now is, is the sad part. The good news is that, as I said, there, there are many organizations now, very um, strong organizations that are running the gamut between um, scientific research and um, physical obstruction and, and trying to physically stop um, whaling in places like Japan. Um, there, are, there is also a rising movement within Japan, who is probably the country that is, is the worst offender in terms of still killing the numbers of whales and dolphins that they kill. There are um, documentaries out, actually, documentary films actually showing the slaughter. Um, but there is a rising movement within Japan of people that don't believe that um, their country should continue this action, and so um, we'll be posting a list of, of the many international organizations that you can get involved with if you're interested in taking part in research, in helping protect the whales, um, there, and also what I recommend is actually petitioning and supporting people such as the Japanese people in, um, in their cry against the slaughter of whales and dolphins. So um, we were talking about whale tourism and how that has really you know, become part of the solution to the hunting of whales. It's really raised consciousness about and excitement over whales. And um, there's a couple of 
ways you can physically go to meet a whale that are less harmful than um, than aggressive tourist boating. And and as I said, there are many even government um, governments trying to implement solutions where they can support the tourist industry and also not harass the whales. But one of the great whale uh, ways to meet a whale is to go sea kayaking or sailboating. Um, the whales are very social, they're curious, and they will come up to you when they want to communicate. There are countless stories each year from sailing vessels and sea kayakers and paddleboarders on how whales will approach and swim along them, and sometimes gently resting their head on the edge of a kayak so as to look at us, and they make eye-to-eye -eye contact. They literally will lift their head out of the water so that you can see their eye and they can look at you. Um, so clearly we have a very deep connection with the whales, and the whales have a deep connection with us. If you can't physically go to meet a whale, um, you can also still make contact, and that's what we're about to do now. Um, as I you know, made contact when I was up in Quebec with a whale that was miles away, you can, through energy, make a connection point, and through meditation, tune in to where you can hear and communicate with whales, and, and particularly the blue whale because, as I said, there's something slightly different about the blue whales where they were and are very much holding space for us and I, I believe holding space for the ocean and the entire planet, and that physically their ability to communicate uh, over such vast distances allows us to communicate with them very easily. You know, you can send a pulse to a whale that's halfway around the world, and that whale can hear you and can actually physically sound back to you from where they are. And if you're listening, you'll, you will hear it. Okay, so I'm going to lead us into a meditation now to meet the blue whale mother. So go ahead and settle back into your chair and close your eyes. And relax deeply into yourself. Sit behind your eyes as if your eyes are windows looking out to the world. And just follow your exhale for a few minutes. I want you to just, you don't have to breathe deep or change your breath. Just notice every time you exhale. Allow that exhale to expand, become aware of your body relaxing and releasing with each exhale, and taking air in when you inhale, start to notice the point between inhale and exhale, point of stillness, where your breath turns, and releases, and turns and takes in oxygen. And allow your awareness to sit at those turning points, those resting points of stillness.
and allow those points to expand. Film this as far as you can see. Become aware that for you and your body, inside your breath, inside the stillness there, there's a sanctuary. You can just know this and breathe it in. Or you can visualize and imagine what your sanctuary might look like. How comfortable is the chair you're sitting in? Who and what is around you? What does your environment look like? Just be aware of your perfect sanctuary, the perfect place of stillness where you are safe and full and conscious. Where you can be completely yourself, a place that you can connect from. Continue to be aware of your breathing and just enjoy your sanctuary for a few moments. Is your sanctuary inside? palace or temple, or are you outside in nature somewhere? Are there any sounds in your sanctuary, or is it completely silent? Continue to be aware of your breath. Get very comfortable where you are. Allow to appear in front of you a glass door. You can see out of it that it opens. On the other side of the door is the ocean. And when you're ready, I want you to allow that door to open and allow the edge of your sanctuary to touch the edge of the ocean. Out in the ocean, I want you to become aware of the blue whale mother. She's resting in her sanctuary. 
also breathing, also aware of the stillness between breaths. When you're ready, create a beam of light from your heart to hers. Watch where it goes. And feel when you notice you've connected. Go ahead and send her a hello. And notice when it reaches her. Now I'd like just to open up the space for you to communicate with her, Blue Whale Mother, and for her to communicate with you. You can ask her whatever you want and tell her whatever you need to tell her and allow her to communicate what she wishes to communicate to you. I'm just going to allow some time for each of us to meet with her.
you're ready, and start to com complete your visit with the blue whale. Settle back into your sanctuary. Maybe make a date for a future visit. And talk to her anytime you want, as many times as you need to. When you're ready, close that door. all the way back onto land. Settle back into your sanctuary for a few minutes. And again, become aware of your breath. That endless space of stillness between the breath. minute, I'm going to let Jen um, take the wheel again. If anybody wants to talk about what their experience was or what they had to say to the blue whale and the blue whale had to say to them, one of the things she reminded me of that I forgot to mention was how they hold, as they call it, the Oceanus memory from the beginning point. So. Not only do they communicate over long distances, but over time they have awareness of the whole history of our planet. And um, the other thing that the Blue Whale Mother communicated to me today was active hope that um, they're aware of, of energies really shifting rapidly right now on the planet, but that they actually feel that things are going to move and in a good direction, in a positive direction, in a connected and communal direction. And she encourages us to assist in that process. And that was her communication to me. She was very happy. <laughs> okay, so that um, closes the guided meditation. You can um, tune in and listen to this podcast again and either follow my voice instructions or do it on your own. Go to your sacred place and from there create an opening to her world and then a connection from your heart to hers anytime you want to commune with the Blue Whale Mother. You're also welcome to do that with any other life form that you um, want to connect with. Um, we have a very... Um, deep fabric of connection on this planet in general, but I feel very specifically to our, our relatives in the great waters. Thank you. Thanks for giving me this opportunity to, to share my relationship and um, communication with you all. And um, I'm going to let Jen connect, and um, if anybody wants to communicate anything, they're welcome to now. Jen? Thank you, Rachel. My gosh, that was so beautiful. <laughs> um, 
Wow, I'm just a little overwhelmed here. Um, so if there's anybody who would like to ask a question to Rachel or share your experience or just say what's coming up for you, please press star 5 um, on your phone, and I'll see your little hand raised, and I'll call on you. Okay, well, while we're – oh, I knew she was going to say something here. <laughs> Ms. Pam Montgomery. Um, hi, Pam. Hi. Hi, um, Rachel. This is Pam. Um, Pam. So a couple things. Um, one is, well, way back in the beginning you said something about um, when whales go, people will go. Right. When they're, If they become extinct, we will become extinct as well. And, and where does that come from? Where does that, I mean, is that your own guidance or is that coming well, from? Well, that's what the blue whale mother told me. She explained to me because they um, not only helped kind of energetically create us, but they actually hold the space for us in the dream time. They're who holds the space for humanity, that if they're not here holding the space, we will start to have problems, not just physically, but also energetically. We won't be able to hold our signature. They hold up our signature as well as theirs, which is why our particular relationship with them is so important. Uh-huh. That's, what she, that's the communication she gave to me. Because okay. I didn't understand that statement by the fin whales either, so I asked the blue whale mother to explain it to me why that would be so, and that's what she said. Okay, well that that may help uh, me to understand my part of my meditation, which had to do. I mean, it, I kind of started off with like, oh gosh, you know, what can we do? What can we do? Oh, we got to put more pressure on Japan. Da 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 da. It was like, no, you know, that's actually not the way to do it. I mean, that's you know, yes, we always got to continue to stay active and all that. But but she said, uh, no, you have to enter through the. Uh, like I don't know what you call it, portal. You know, like you have to you have to enter into another dimensional reality. And I was like, oh, right, oh, all right, <laughs> oh, oh, that dimension, okay. <laughs> but it was it was kind of like, you know, there there's this. Uh, I mean, I don't know how to describe it, but basically, there's there's a way in which to enter into another dimension in which we both exist and we both live and, and maybe yes. what you're talking about is this kind of energetic template thing is 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 there and that that's the way to it's not about you know writing one more congressperson or whatever i mean you know i'm not to say that there's nothing wrong with that kind of work that's great but to make a real change we we need to kind of understand our relationship on a whole other level, and that absolutely, absolutely, I totally understand what you're saying. I actually learned recently. I was um, I'm going to plug a friend's book. Doctor Dr. Judith Oren has a book coming out this spring called The Cosmic Hologram, and she's a scientist, um, and it explains the world from a scientific physics standpoint from the beginning of science through now, and it explains that we're actually in a four-dimensional holographic universe, but we're acting like we're in a three-dimensional one. And that's part of the glitch. And 
the whales are on the fourth dimension, and that's kind of what you're speaking to, where things get created on a higher dimension. And when something isn't working, it's not about trying to fix the broken model. It's creating a new one or, or going back to the original signature, which is where the whales hold it, I think. Um, yeah, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I think it's important to do the physical work, and some people are very drawn to go, you know, and physically get in between a whaler and the whales. Um, and I totally value that contribution. But those of us that do a lot of energy work um, maybe are better served to address it there. Um, and there are many um, different ways. In terms of, I'd like to address Japan specifically because. Um, it is still such a violent co confrontation. Um, and I really encourage people to support the people of Japan in changing that paradigm for them, because it's really about their evolution. And as this is uh, nature evolutionaries, I think um, the people of the country themselves are changing that awareness within themselves spiritually and consciously and to, to support that. And there are organizations organizations in Japan that are formed and are uh, creating positive change um, through their conscious awareness of their need and connection with the whales versus their need to eat them. <laughs> that's the way I would put it. Does that answer your question, Pam? Yes, that's great. Thank you so much. Thanks, You're welcome. Thanks for today. This has been really wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Pam. If anyone else has something you'd like to share or a question, please press star five so I can see you. Um, and while we're waiting, um, I will share with you my experience. Was um, It was really incredible and really beautiful. And again, I really want to thank you for doing this, Rachel. I've never um, communicated with whales before. And so... When I first, like even before, I don't know, right away almost, as soon as like um, I could sense the blue mother there, I just immediately, my heart connected with her and I just felt this enormous, enormous amount of love. And shortly after that, I felt this enormous, enormous amount of sadness. And what I, what was apparent to me is that... Um, the oceans are what holds up the emotions of our world, and so they are a reflection of what you know what we're all feeling in our world, um, which we don't even those feelings that we want to ignore or hide. Um, and so, one of the things I was asking the Blue Mother is, you know, what can we do to help? What can we do? And this may be my frame because I'm always working from a frame of love. Um, but what she told me to do is that we need to, um, if we want to heal, we need to love the water and love water in all her forms and reminded me that we have water in us. We are water. And so that includes loving us, ourselves, and, um, and loving that water. Um, I feel, you know, fits a lot with what's going on in our world right now and our current events. Um, so Absolutely. 
Yeah. And we are mostly water. Our bodies are 80% water at birth. Our brains are 90% water. So um, keeping our waters healthy and loved is a very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was that was my experience. And, again, I want to um, thank you for that opportunity. Thank you, Jen. Um, I have somebody here. Um, at the Lake House who would also like to speak. April? Hi, we're sharing a phone, me and Rachel here. I was very honored to be in the presence of this lovely lady during this meditation, looking out at this lake that used to be an ocean. And I um, will just add a couple small things of the communication experience I had. Um, one was um, when I went through first, you know, going through this sort of ap- apology um, because I was feeling that that was my feeling and and that same wave of, oh, sorrow and washing and all that watery depth. And then I went sort of deeper into this heart space and actually had the feeling in becoming the whale of actually being almost like a physical heart within the body, which was the ocean. And this message of feeling on a visceral level how we are all one body. We are not, you know, separate little organs running around in our our own separate spaces, but we're all part of this organism, it was an amazing feeling because um, I have that thought sometimes, but it actually was very visceral, like being this pumping heart within a body that was the ocean, and that was a lovely gift from her. And then the other side of it was like um, a request from her to send images of beauty from our perspective as land creatures because um, we're able to look out with our eyes and see flowers and trees and all those things that, you know, you can't see so visually when you're down under the water. So just by keeping those images in my mind and sending them to her, it was like a little gift that I could lay at her feet or her slippers or whatever they are. Um, So that was a lovely, lovely experience. And thank you. Thanks so much, April. Well, thanks, April. I love that idea of sending images of beauty um, from our land. That makes so much sense. Yeah, that that's what they wanted in the first place. <laughs> they wanted to know what it was like here, so that's great. Um, Share our, our beauty. Uh, the, the one thing I wanted to say about this, this and you know this is definitely kind of a personal viewpoint. Um, I've always felt that humans we're we're interesting because I don't think we're all from land or, or all from the water anymore. We're kind of both. It's like we're the bridge between those two environments. We belong in both. We're almost all water, and yet we live on land. <laughs> it's an interesting. Place to place to be. So. That is. Thank you, Rachel. Um, 
any last thoughts or comments? That was it from from. Okay, <laughs> you've given us a lot. So you, at least you've given me a lot to think about. Oh, wait, we have one other. We have one last caller. We'll take this question. Hello. Hello. Yeah, you're on. Yes. Hi. I just I just wanted to add my two cents worth. This is Emily, okay. and thank you all for pulling this together. It was amazing. And I just wanted to say that it was um, a real, like I said it to myself, this is the best Christmas present I could have today <laughs> because recontacting a connection I had when I was really little with the blue whale when we, I lived in San Diego, I forgot about until today when we went into a meditation. It was such a great connection to have the reconnection. Um, also, I just wanted to share that my mom took me for my seventh birthday out on a small fishing boat to watch whales because my birthday is in February. Um, and that was a gray whale. And it came up just like you said and got out of the water and looked right at me. And I'll never forget it. And I often see that in dreams. But I just really wanted to thank you for taking us into those places and into that meditation and for me personally, back to that memory is awesome. Thank you. Wow, wonderful, Emily. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. So again, Rachel, I just want to thank you so much for um, sharing your wisdom and leading us on this beautiful meditation today. And thank all of you for joining us and remind you that we will have this recording from this call on our website. Um, probably fairly soon. And so you will be able, as Rachel suggested, you can go back and um, re-listen to the meditation and go through it again and see how your experience is different. Um, And there are many ways that you can stay. If you've enjoyed today, there are many ways that you can stay in contact with us. So you can sign up for our newsletter both – well, the easiest way to sign up for our newsletter is to go to our website, which, again, is natureevolutionaries.com. You can also – obviously, while you're there, you're visiting our website. And on our website, we have a special page for teleseminars, which will allow you to listen to all of our past teleseminars, if you like, and also have information on our upcoming teleseminars. Our next one is January 15th. And that is also from, I'm sorry, noon Pacific Standard Time or 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this one is an experience with Sea Turtle and with Susan Draffin. And the one after that is February 12th. Again, same time, noon Pacific and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And that one is Navigating Our Changing Oceans with Carol Peace. And to call on those, you use the same number and access code, which is 1-800-309-2350. And the access code is 577-1624-POUND. We really want to hear from you. And so on our website, there are numerous places where you can make comments. Um, You can also email us. Our email is natureevolutionaries at I'm sorry, natureevolutionaries1, like the number, at gmail.com. We, as I said, we have a monthly newsletter, so we're always looking for submissions, which can be artwork or poetry or um, nonfiction or 
really just about anything that you would like um, to include that has this focus on connecting with nature. And let's see, so submissions for newsletters and email us. Email us your questions. Email us your comments. I know I'm forgetting something here. Oh, about Rachel. Sorry. <laughs> so Rachel, if you would like to find out more information about her, her website is rachelbairdart.com, and that is spelled R-A-C-H-E-L-B-A-I-R-D-A-R-T.com. And there is a link to her on our website. As I mentioned earlier, she is one of our featured artists on our gallery, so you can also see her artwork there. And on our blog, you can see her um, uh, numerous writings. There's some poetry and then a really beautiful article about connecting with the whales. We will, as Rachel said, we will be posting information on organizations that you can connect to um, about protecting the whales. Um, I was thinking there was something else I wanted to say about you, Rachel. But maybe that's it. Um, that's remember, <laughs> what were you going to say? Oh, that's plenty. Thank you, Jen. Okay. <laughs> um, and a reminder that all of um, our work, including these teleseminars, what allows us to offer this for free is your donations. So please do support our organization. I know there's lots of calls for donations, especially this time of year, and we so much appreciate all of those incredible people who are supporting this work. And we have a special fundraising effort right now, which will be ending at the end of this year, to support the EMOA Center in Ecuador. And we are particularly sponsoring um, the replanting, or not replanting, sorry, sponsoring planting more trees in the Amazon rainforest as a new way of having agriculture there rather than clear-cutting and putting um, cattle. So you can support that on our website. And um, support planting Ishpingo and cacao trees. So again, I want to thank everyone for joining us. And if you have any questions, please feel free to email us. I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thanks, Jen.